excited. About what? Tonight's episode. No. Are you so excited? Not like a bit. Is this like your first spite episode? I don't know. I think Grateful Dead was our first. Well, like, our first um, band do we it. don't like. Right. Episode. But I didn't do it as spite. I did it because. Because our dear, lovely friend. Avery came through <laughs> with a beer and asked for it. And I was like, well. Because we said at that point, if you have a beer, you want us to do the band inspired or the band that the beer ins- was inspired by. We'll do it. We'll do it. And, <laughs> and guess what? We never did it again <laughs> we never after did that. did it again because we ended up with Grateful Dead. Lessons are learned, people. Yeah. So I think Lessons this is going to be learned. the second episode we do where we fucking hate the band. I, I don't. I don't. I mean, some of their music I kind of like. Yeah. Some of their music is okay, but then there's a lot of elements of their music that I absolutely fucking hate, and the people in the band are garbage. I feel like this is <laughs> this is your wake up sheeple episode because <laughs> everyone loves this band. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is the band that's gonna get us. This is the episode that gets us canceled. They should be canceled, not us. Yeah, we're gonna get canceled though. Because okay. Welcome yep. to Rock Candy. Yep. yep. This, this is it. This you, is the end. Welcome to the end, my friends. <laughs> this is the end. It's <laughs> another band you don't like. What? The Who? Doors. Oh, I fucking hate The Doors. <laughs> Suck my ass, Doors. <laughs> fucking fake Doors. Okay. Your, your podcast bringing you <laughs> sweet treats from the world of music and apparently ass sucking from The Doors. <laughs> We're your hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And yes, this week, I think Ashley wants us all to have a come to Jesus moment. Yeah, guys, misfits suck. They suck. I don't, you know what? I don't even know what to say. I have no opinion. Yeah. I've never even really listened to the misfits until like I was in my late 20s, maybe. Uh Uh-huh. They just always were under the radar for me. They were under the radar for everybody, I think, but there's- They are like- 30, 40 something year old dudes right now listening to this and just throwing their phones like, oh, I've always loved the best fits. Well, good for you. I'm glad you have something you love. I personally look a little bit deeper into them and fucking hate everything about it. I mean, so. it does go into our constant turmoil of separating the artist from the art because that's all music is. Every single fucking band is just at this point. Are they a piece of shit? Yeah. To steal, to steal a bit from our friends that make it stop. Is this person a piece of shit? <laughs> yeah. And I feel like Ashley's going to come in and say, yes. Literally every person in this story is a piece of shit. Oh Literally everyone. But dancer carried kitty leader ones. <laughs> oh, isn't he a cute old grandpa just like George W. Bush? No, that's not how this works. However, I will say Danzig is my favorite meme. Oh, Mother, yeah. <laughs> don't you let your children walk my way. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a picture of a fucking mom and her daughter who are clearly walking a dog, but they <laughs> photoshopped a thing of fucking whey protein in it yeah. instead. And, and he's I also one half of one of my absolute favorite oh. graphic novels, Henry and Glenn Forever. I fucking, that is, and it's so hard to find those now. Well, you can order them online. Can you? Yeah, I was oh. just going to do that the other day. I'll get you some. I'll okay. get you one. Yeah. No, those are fucking delightful because you know Danzig hates it. Henry doesn't, because like Henry Rollins doesn't really care. If you, if you don't know what Henry and Glenn Forever is, it is a graphic novel that 
proposes that Glenn Danzig and Henry Rollins are in a homosexual relationship together and live together. Which would actually be really cute. Which is adorable. And Glenn is a very emotional, like, <laughs> over dramatic kind of person who flies off the handle and Henry is like the stoic. He's like, the rock. He's the rock. He's the rock of the relationship. And also... Hollow notes are their neighbors and they're saying this. It's fucking hilarious. It's amazing. That's the kind of like that that's the image of Glenn Danzig I want to hold on to. Yeah. I know it's completely fake, but in my mind I'm like, can this be Glenn Danzig though? Oh no, he fucking hates no. Henry and Glenn forever. Oh yeah. And he hates gay people, so What? <laughs> Is Danzig not I, a great guy? I know. I mean, it's so surprising, isn't it? Yeah. And actually, it fits perfectly with the beer you got me tonight. <laughs> yeah. So I am drinking Cocktoberfest <laughs> because it's a, the it's, misfits are a bunch of cocks. They're a bunch of cocks. <laughs> Honestly, they're a bunch of fucking dick cock and fuck I mean, it's, ass holes i don't know wow you are just I like just, i'm there's not I'm enough at a loss of insults right now because i just don't know how to handle it you've also have been researching them for a couple weeks and I'm, you've probably lost I read your a whole sanity book. i read a whole book a rip a rooney oh you've yeah. told me about some of this book <laughs> i can't wait uh it's from woodcock brothers so i guess that's another thing you could call misfits it's just <laughs> cock brothers woodcocks cock woods cock brothers um, I don't know. But it's I actually, wouldn't even want to insult Cox by comparing them to the dudes in the Misfits. Yeah. But yeah, this beer is a Marzen style lager. It's not bad. It's kind of dad beery for me. Like it's a little um it's, it's a, a little, little heavy on the lager. It's a little Budweiser at the end of the day. Yeah. Um it's not as Marzen style as I would like it to be. Yeah. I think they should have just gone straight Marzen and left out the lager. But I you know, I get it. You're trying to be creative. You're trying to do something new. This is a total parallel with Misfits, honestly, because, like, Misfits were punk, but they were also, like, kind of horror metal in a way. Yeah. Um. So it's like, pick one. Pick one. Pick one, whichever you want to do. So, yeah, makes sense. So I guess this beer goes better than you would think. <laughs> but, I mean, if you see it. Literally it, and figuratively. It's brewed in Wilson, New York, which is quite far from us. It's more, like, western New York area. So. Oh, yeah, way west. Um, if you're out there or you go out there and you know what, like check out Woodcock Brothers and I'm not going to lie. I like that they have the name cock in their, or the word cock in their name. And wood. It's like two dicks. It's great. It's a double, double entendre. Double, double dick entendre. Yeah. I like dirty birds. So yeah, you know what? I'm still, even though like I'm not in love with this beer, it's just fine. Um, still going to give them a thumbs up. Yeah. I'm going to, uh, what's his face? Uh, Commodus I'm going to Commodus thumbs up this guy or this beer cool anyway I'm going to let you talk about your favorite band now (laughs) I'm sure even chomping at the bit to do it so okay I guess I have to cite my sources at the beginning of this so the book that I read is This Music Leaves Stains The Complete Story of the Misfits by James Green Jr. I know it's a terrible name I don't know where he came what up with What kind of stains? <laughs> but what kind? All I, all of them? I have so many questions yeah. already. And like, I knew I was in for a ride in the first fucking chapter. My dude is like, 
1968, Vincent Fernier changed his name to Alice Cooper. And I'm like, nah, no. no. Because you see, Alice Cooper was a band first. Mm -hmm. It was the name of the band. Mm -hmm. Vincent Fernier didn't change his name legally to Alice Cooper until 1975. So do I really need to continue reading this? I guess I have to because it's the (laughs) only book on the Misfits. Here we are. Is it an authorized biography? No. (laughs) The the absolute just incredulation. (laughs) No. No, it's not. Are you I assume the Misfits would never allow anyone to tell their story. Like, with their blessing. I don't know. I I would assume that Jerry only would 100% have to have his fingers and his branding all over that shit. Before he would even allow it to be released. Because cool. let something be released. You got to make money on it. All right. I'm very curious about the story. Let's go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when you think of punk, bands like Sex Pistols and the Ramones and Dead Kennedys often come to mind. It's not often that I hear people lump the misfits in with the seminal punks that started the movement in the mid 70s. And that's because the misfits are inherently different. And that's exactly how founder Glenn Danzig wanted it. Always considered by society and himself as an outcast, Danzig wanted his band to be as dark and lurid and horror-filled as he was. In a tiny little package. Ooh. Tiny. He's real muscular. Mm. He's wide. He's a wide man. Not tall. Wide. (laughs) Got a wide girth. Wide birth? I don't know what that term is. He's got girth and a wide berth. Mm-hmm. Glenn Allen Anzalone was born on June 23, 1955, and was the third of four sons. He grew up in Lodi, New Jersey, a stone's throw from the metropolitan melting pot that is New York City. Nice. Despite the tortured, mean-mugging, no-fun turd he has a reputation for being these days, he had a pretty good life in Lodi. I mean, Lodi ain't bad. I've never been there. I've never been there either. I'm just assuming. Shout out to Lodi. (laughs) Tell us how you is. Yeah. How is you, Lodi? (laughs) His father, Richard, was a TV repairman, a humble job considering he'd served in World War II and the Korean War. Whoa. A lot. That's a lot. A lot. Career military man. Glenn's mother, Moretta, was mainly a housewife, but at some point she got a job at a record store, which did wonders for Glenn's interest in music. I bet. Moretta would bring home records by bands like The Beatles, Rolling Stones, Roy Orbison, and The Righteous Brothers, which Glenn and his older brothers, Bruce and Chris, would absolutely consume. Mm. This led to interests in The Doors, Bob Dylan, Led Zeppelin, etc., etc., and of course, Black Sabbath. The classics. Of course. Standards and classics. Indeed. By the time he was a teenager, Glenn was all about the hard rock and the macabre. That extended beyond music as well. Glenn straight up loved the horror genre. That meant horror movies, of course, but also comic books. He was a comic book nerd, period. Oh. To a point where he started making his own comics. Oh my goodness. Glenn Danzig is a fucking nerd. Absolute nerd. Yeah. He would never admit it, would he? No, of course not. Okay, just making sure. Well, no, I mean, he wouldn't. Admit that he was a nerd. But, but he, he would, would want to probably come out and say, um, but I know everything that I'm talking about because Ex- of oh, X, yeah. Y, and Z. Yeah. And also, like, 
he very much would play into the well I always considered myself an outcast and like people were listening to all the popular stuff and reading all the popular stuff but I was reading like Edgar Allan Poe and Baudelaire <laughs> literally said that word for word good sure. for you you're so cool Danzig <laughs> excuse me Glenn Anzalone yeah you know, it was mostly out of necessity that he started making his own comic books because the comics he could find just were not weird and scary enough. Yeah, I mean, it was, what, the 60s, 70s? Yeah. Yeah, they were... It was in abundance to have a lot of, like, you, I think, like, Swamp Thing was out back then and probably, Spider-Man. like, some Monster of the Week stuff. Yeah, but... But as far as weird... Like, it wasn't really that weird, especially by today's standards. And, I mean, if Glenn is as dark and yeah, as bizarre as he says he is, then, yeah, it's not going to be weird enough. Right. That's why he had to turn to Lovecraft and Baudelaire. (laughs) You're right. No one else has ever read Lovecraft. Never. Ever. Ever until Glenn did when he was a kid. Glenn made it cool. His interest in horror and comics and hard rock got him a reputation as a weirdo, which he didn't seem to mind much. But people also knew him as a hothead. One could say he's got a case of the Napoleon complex. He's only five foot three, which oh. is my height. What? Oh, you didn't know he was that short? I thought he was like maybe five, six or seven. No, he's five, three, my dear. He tiny. Like, I knew he was shorter than he me. baby. I didn't know <laughs> Yo, you know he's shorter now because he's old. He's older, excuse me. He's got, he's probably got like early onset osteoporosis or something. I think I shrunk half an inch and I'm only in my late 30s. Yeah, and he's 65. Yeah, so he's probably, he might be more like 5'2. He's the same height as my mom. (laughs) Wow. That's hilarious. Wow. It's, you know what? And there is nothing wrong with being short. It's fine. Height doesn't matter. But if you're going to act like a dick about it. Yeah. If you're going to internalize that and turn it into a fuck you, I hate you attitude. Like that's that's your problem. That's on you, my dude. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he's short and he's, um, you know, a quite Italian and definitely has that Italian temper. See, I didn't know he was Italian. Honestly, I didn't really read him as anything. Just like yeah. angry man. <laughs> Just angry, pissed off misfit guy i thought his 23 and me would just like be like <laughs> angry you're uh sir you're 100 very angry you come from you know some you come from the center of the earth where it is very hot and angry sir you're pure lava you're pure hot lava <laughs> you are literally you literally have volcano dna I don't know how that happens. It's just flowing in your veins. You're a fair person. Good for you. (laughs) Good for you. Except he's a cancer. You know, though? This makes... It makes so much sense. Yeah. Because this Mm. dude is so Mm. oversensitive. It is insane. I need to know what his rising sign is. Mm. Mm. (laughs) So, yeah. He was well known around school for his short fuse and big fucking mouth. And turns out he had a knack for art. After graduating high school in 1973, he started taking art classes in the city with the intention of getting a job at a comic book company. You know what, though? That's awesome. Great. But intentions are nice, but like intentions don't get you a job. 
Did he have hustle? No. Oh. <laughs> none. Never Absolutely mind. none. He didn't. That didn't work out. So he just Charlie Brown walked back to Lodi and joined a cover band. Again, you know what? At this point, I'm letting him have it. He's young. He's trying to figure his shit out. Full of piss and vinegar. He can do whatever he wants. Right. The band he joined was called Talus, but it only lasted a year before disbanding. He quickly started another cover band, which he named Kuda in Boonjang. Kuda in Boonjang. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. What? I don't know. I don't know. Bless you. <laughs> I know. What? They again only played popular covers, with the rest of the band rejecting Glenn's suggestion that they play originals or even cover songs by harder bands like the Stooges. All right. You know what? On Glenn's side right now. Bit on his side. I'm a bit on his side. You yeah. know what? You got to branch out. You got to try. Kuda mm. also didn't last long, and after a third attempt at starting a cover band fizzled out, Glenn decided it was time to ditch the cover band circuit and start an original band. Clearly, you don't want to do covers, my dude. Yeah. Do don't you, join up with people who only want to do covers. Do you want to play weddings the rest of your life? No. Get an original band. There you go. The punk movement was happening right in Glenn's backyard, and it was the perfect kind of music for blending with a horror aesthetic. And Glenn had the name for the band before he even found any musicians, which reminds me of when I really wanted a cat when I first moved up to the capital region here in New York, and I really wanted a cat, and I already had a name picked out for it, even though I didn't even have a cat yet. It was going to be Chester Copperpot. That. And then I got the cat, and he fit perfectly into that name. Just so what you're saying is Dan Zig's band was like his cat, which <laughs> yeah. he does love his cat. He's also like Billy Corgan. He likes cats? No, he also had his name picked out for his band oh. before it even <laughs> existed. I'm sorry, your band name shouldn't be the thing you're focused on. It shouldn't, but it's the funnest thing to think of. It is. It's the funnest part of having a band. Is but I also feel like that's what's going to set you up for failure with the rest of your band. I don't know. Because mm. the name of the band he had was Misfits. I know. But like... But also, this story doesn't get any better from here, so... <laughs> he peaked at picking the band <laughs> He really did. I got this great name. Misfits. And they should have just like end and he credits. Just, then he just tuck and rolled down that hill from there. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Let's see where this lands me. But yeah. It was, of course, The Misfits, named after the last film Marilyn Monroe ever made. He had a weird obsession with Marilyn Monroe. So Monroe. did every dude back Everybody then. else. It was fitting. The 1961 movie to this day has an aura of tragedy around it, kind of like Poltergeist. Oh, yeah. You know how in Poltergeist, like, Pretty much everybody that worked on it died afterwards. Yeah, that was that's a fucking crazy story. It's because yeah. they didn't move the bodies. It, they moved the headstones, but we know what they didn't the do. Bodies. That's how they get you. The filming and production of the movie was fraught with setbacks, perpetually wasted directors and actors, and a nearly sixty-year-old Clark Gable that insisted on doing his own stunts. Oh, Clarky! Eleven days after filming wrapped, Clark Gable died of a heart attack, and Marilyn would follow a year and a half later. So what you're saying is, Danzig thought he was really deep because he was super into Edgar Allan Poe and Lovecraft and Black Sabbath and knew about like all the dirt stuff around that movie Misfits. So he's like that kid 
in like your junior year of high school sits in the back and he's like, nobody fucking gets me, man. It's kind of an incel. Ooh. Kind of an incel. Ooh. Maybe he got laid? I hope so. Yeah. He was not a bad looking young no. man. No. Not at all. He no. was just short. That's fine. Some chicks like short guys. Seriously. Who are we to judge? So he's got the macabre name. Now he needs the band. Right. He immediately calls up one of his old bandmates, Manny Martinez, and brings him in on drums. He also brings in a guy named Jimmy Battle on guitar and bassist Diana DiPiazza on bass. And yes, that's right, kids. The original bassist of the Misfits was a girl. Now, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. However, I feel like in the world of rock candy... We know enough that a girl bassist, something's going to go wrong. Oh, she does not last at all. What? No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sadly, Jimmy and Diana didn't last long, and once again, the search was on. They didn't have to wait long for one of the biggest and most recognizable members of the band to stake his claim in the band. Okay. Jerry Kayafa physically couldn't be any more different than Glenn if he tried. He was born on... April 21st, 1959, so a few years younger than Glenn, but nearly a foot taller and far more outgoing. (laughs) He's a big dude. Even though he went to the same high school as Glenn, Jerry was was a well-liked football player that was voted most popular. Wow. It's a real Paula Abdul MC scat cat situation. Yes, it is. Opposite Let's be honest. Dancing's MC Scat Cat in this scenario. <laughs> I don't know. Paul Abdul's tiny. <laughs> Honey. Danzig is MC Scat Cat. Yeah. Uh, no, no. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna argue this. No. All right. Danzig is Paul Abdul. MC Scat Cat is like in your face. Like, yeah, he's rapping and he wants you to hear him. That's Jerry. All right. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. Yeah, By the end of this, you'll agree with me. (laughs) Even though they were a jock and a comic book nerd, they were still two working class Italian blokes that loved the same kind of music. It was happenstance that Jerry even met these guys. He just happened to be dating Manny's next door neighbor when he heard the guys jamming in Manny's garage. Oh. Jerry was curious about what they were doing, soon striking up an excited conversation with Glenn about this awesome new shit called punk, especially British punk bands like Generation X and The Damned. So Jerry was asked to join the band on bass. He had a bass, but didn't really know how to play it, but he learned on the job. Yeah, that's par for the course. For a punk band? Yeah. Yeah. You You don't need that much practice. Right. Do you know how to pluck like four strings in one song? Great. Great. The trio rehearsed for a few months before playing their first gig ever on April 18th, 1977, which happened to be at CBGB's. Pretty sure CBGB's never asked them to come back. (laughs) I was like, how the fuck did they get into CBGB's? Because CBGB's was not like a big deal. Oh, that was before CBGB's was CBGB's. This was right when it was gaining popularity. Yeah. It almost didn't happen after Glenn saw what Jerry planned to wear on stage. Oh, no. Glam rock fan Jerry was wearing sequin pants and open-toed platform boots, which Glenn thought was highly embarrassing. I love it. All right. (laughs) Hold on. 
Leaning more towards MC Scat Cat now. <laughs> See? All right. During this time, they released their first single called Cough Cool, which doesn't make any sense no. to me. It's cough slash cool. I don't... Whatever. Cough to cool yourself off, man. I guess. They only pressed 500 copies, but Jerry's last name was misspelled on every single one. <laughs> This provoked him to say he wanted to be credited in the future as Jerry, only Jerry. Oh. Which led to his pseudonym, Jerry Only, which he still goes by today. So wait, is that what it said on the record? Or is that after the record came out, it's like, Jerry Only. And people were like, all right, Jerry Only. After that, he became known as Jerry Only. So everybody was like, okay. So on that first single pressing, it's his real name but spelled incorrectly so then he's like fuck it you know what's gonna be easier just call me jerry just jerry only only jerry jerry and they were like, only jerry only all oh, right that's your name jerry only hello jerry only <laughs> fuck i did it wrong <laughs> not to be left out of the party glenn decided to change his name at this time too he chose the surname danzig after the city in poland which is now named gdansk but Gdansk. why? Gdansk. But why? There's a lot of mystery surrounding why he chose Danzig. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> For a long time, he told people that it was his real last name. Sometimes he said he changed it because he has family ties to the city. But according to This Music Leaves Stains, it was probably because he took a trip there right after high school and thought its gothic architecture was real cool. I'm going to go with that one. That sounds more likely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and that's and that's fine. That is just fine, Glenn. Yeah, we're happy for Danzig's you. a great name. You did good, very memorable. You know, honestly, Glenn's just really good at names. Yeah, he is. Good job, Glenn. <laughs> and continue to roll down that hill. Thank you. <laughs> By October, the boys got tired of not having a guitarist. Danzig was singing and playing electric piano, but wanted to ditch the instrument and focus on vocals. So they recruited Jerry's childhood friend, Frank Licata, and replaced an unreliable Manny Martinez with former Kudot drummer, Jim Catania. Together, the four of them sounded like a list of extras from The Godfather. <laughs> Jim Catania, Jerry Caiaffa, uh, Frank Licata, and Glenn Anzalone. <laughs> hey, hey, <laughs> give me a box of cannolis, boys. <laughs> then maybe, just maybe... I'll let you help me put some cement on some shoes later. <laughs> get get to the back of line with your feet and your and shirt. shirt. <laughs> so, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, the Misfits initially started, they did not have a guitarist? No. They're very... Danzig played... Electric keyboard? piano. Yes, he, he did. He just slammed on stage with a Casio keyboard <laughs> and was upset about Jerry wearing platform boots? Really? Yeah. I'm just going to keep I'm glad my you're, beer. I'm glad you're getting this. I'm getting it. So I don't have to. Oh, no. You do not have it. to. No. Like, I'm reading it. Gotcha. For filth. Library open. So the whole, like, super Italian godfather names were fixed when the two new members got stage names. Franche Coma and Mr. Jim, respectively. How? What? <laughs> Who? What fucking speaking spell is coming up with this shit? Yeah. Franche Coma was a play on um, an area of France called like Francais Comte or something like that. 
I don't know. I don't fucking know. They're French. very well read. Okay, it's, Ashley. He reads Baudelaire. <laughs> <laughs> it just reminded me of just like Franciere. And I'm like, so it's like Boxwine? Is he Boxwine? I'm renaming him Boxwine. Boxwine. Okay. Well, Boxwine doesn't last very long anyway. Oh. So. Yeah. Boxwine was able to give the band the sound they've been looking for the whole time. Punk, but scary. Ooh, scary punk. His choppy guitar style that he ripped straight from Johnny Ramone blended perfectly with Danzig's horror-inspired and highly misogynistic lyrics. Though, and I don't know why he would argue this because you're basically arguing that you wrote sexist lyrics, Jerry only often and loudly proclaimed that Danzig didn't write a majority of the lyrics like he claims. Jerry insists that even though Danzig is a great songwriter, most of the lyrics and all the music were written by him and the rest of the misfits. Oh, honey. He would also change his fucking tune later on. But we'll get to that fucking later. This is already a mess. Ridiculous, like, rabid fucking mess. It's ridiculous. We're, we, are, we are a half hour in, and we're only two weeks into their fucking band, <laughs> and it's already a mess. Literally two fucking weeks. <laughs> Jesus. Literally, like, everything happens within the span of, like, six years. And then that's it. And that's pretty much... Well, no, that's not it. But for, like, the juicy stuff, yeah, that's it. Anyway. The real kumquats at the beginning. Yeah. Only a month later, the band got an opportunity of a lifetime without really having to do anything. They released their Cough Cool single on Danzig's own independent record label, Blank Records. Unbeknownst to them, Mercury Records tried to create their own imprint, also called Blank Records. When Mercury realized Blank Records already existed, they offered the band 30 hours of free studio time to record an album with the possibility of getting a record deal out of it. For the name? In exchange for the name Blank Records. I feel like that's not fair. I would have negotiated for way more. Yeah. I'm sorry, you want my fucking name? You want it that bad? Give me the record give me, deal. Give me a million fucking dollars. Bruh. I would I would say, bro, record deal. Give it to me. I want it now. I would, yeah, just a straight up fucking record deal. You want it now? You want that name so bad? Record deal yeah. in my hand. I want this name and I want it now. <laughs> if that name doesn't show, then you owe me, owe me, owe. So yeah, they took the studio time. And they finished 14 songs and named the album Static Age. Unsurprisingly, Mercury didn't sign them or release the album because anybody could see that happening. You fucking turd burglars. <laughs> like, it, what? they are literally fucking burnsing it over here going, excellent. Because they're like, here's a bunch of fucking, like, children on instruments. <laughs> If we just say just we're going to give them dumbasses from New Jersey who don't know better that are just like, yeah, oh, 30 hours. Holy fuck. Yeah. I'm like, 30 hours? That's it? Yeah. Like, give me two weeks, bitch. But granted, this is the like late 70s. You could make a record in less than a week. You could record in two days and you would have an entire album, especially a punk album. Where were their parents? <laughs> Seriously, this one a mom or dad walks in and says, "Sweetie, we need no baby girl. Where is Mister and Mrs. Kayafa? We need you. We need some help. We need a fucking adult in this room. We need you to talk to your son and knock some sense into him. 
because this is not a good deal. Instead, the band released the bullet single on Danzig's label, the newly reminted Plan 9 Records. How is he making all of these labels? Because what nobody really tells you is that they're kind of being bankrolled. What? So Dan, so Jerry, his dad owns a manufacturing company in oh. New Jersey. So Jerry is like pulling double shifts, like trying to get a lot of money. But also he's kind of like, yo, dad, I need this money to like press a bunch of records. Can I have it? And he's like, yeah, sure. And then he'll, you know, work at the manufacturing company and like kind of work it off. But also the Kayafas had a very, I, I guess, well off neighbor who very much liked to finance fledgling punk bands. So that neighbor often gave them money. So what you're saying is this is a band of punks who never really had to work that hard to get to where they were going. They worked. But they I didn't said, have to work that hard. Thank you. Yes. Okay. Um, anytime they needed financing for flights or for tours or whatever, their dad would be like, all right, here's a few thousand dollars. So in a world of a genre that's supposed to be built on DIY. And they purported to be super crazy DIY. They were kind of being bankrolled by their dad and a neighbor. Okay. And I know people are going to give me shit for that, but I don't fucking care. That's what happened. It is what it is. This is how they afforded to let Glenn just kind of not have a job ever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like Glenn probably should have worked a day in his life to understand. Coulda. Coulda. <laughs> didn't, but he didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. He this newly reminted Plan 9 Records, they released uh the Bullet single. The song Bullet itself was about the Kennedy assassination, describing it in graphic detail while also making overt sexual references about Jackie O. What? Mind you, the song was actually written in 1974, only five years after JFK was killed. Yeah, basically in the lyrics, Danzig is saying, um, Jackie needs to suck him off, and that's the only way that she can, like, survive the horror of her husband being killed in front of her. Your face says it all. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know this is an audio medium, but, like, my jaw hit the floor. Yeah. Wow. All right. That's gross. Yeah. Yeah. Touring became the band's top priority here in 1978, but before they could even get in the van, Franche Coma and Mr. Jim quit. They recruited Boxwine, no! Boxwine, how dare how dare you leave me at this time of need? <laughs> they recruited Joe Poole, renamed Joey Image on drums, and Robert Kaufhold, 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 nicknamed Bobby Steele on guitar. He got his nickname from the back brace he had to wear as a child because of his crippling spina bifida. Maybe he picked the name. I think he did. Okay, you know what? He's taking the piss and he's having fun with it. And I'm excited for him that he's doing that. Indeed. Apparently this was a thing that really plagued him throughout his adult life and he would often have to walk with a cane. Oh, gosh, that's awful. 
They also developed a fashion style that would become their trademark. As their punk sound developed into something darker and more horror-oriented, so did their outfits. So you mean black sequins? I I guess. (laughs) Right? That's darker, right? Some black sequins? I think he just got rid of the sequins altogether and just opted for the black. Yeah. Come on, man. But he wore all black. He replaced the sequins with a buttload of spikes and smeared black makeup under his eyes to give an air of zombie, topped off with one singular black strip of hair that sat right down the middle of his face. And that's Jerry. That's Jerry. And they called this the devil lock. Okay. Actually, I think you're thinking of somebody different. Mm. We'll get to him in a little bit. Oh, okay. Um, But yeah, very similar look. Okay. I do know what you're talking about. Yes. Danzig adopted a similar look, though he preferred to screen print his own skulls onto his black shirts. He had a pseudo devil lock, though his was wider and less stiff, inspired more by the space pirate Captain Harlock than a limp Liberty Spike. So like the anime, Captain Harlock? Oh, okay. I know exactly what you're talking about. That was his favorite anime. His favorite manga. He's not a nerd. Not at all. You're a fucking weeb, <laughs> Danzig. And I love it. Why Kinda. couldn't you just be like a fun weeb boy? Why can't you? Why do you have to be, why do you have to hold such horrible, like, conservative, misogynistic, and gross viewpoints? Ugh. You could be so cool, Danzig. <laughs> you could have been so cool, Danzig. The potential in this person. Yeah. They upgraded their stage show as well. Possibly inspired by Jerry's days as a high school football hero, at the start of the show, the band would project horror movie clips on a huge piece of paper that they would then burst through and start playing. <laughs> like, it's a fucking homecoming game. I was gonna say that! Oh my god, yeah. Do they have, like, misfit cheerleaders? Oh god. I'm glad they didn't even think of that. They could have, though. They could have. This nice reputation they gained in the New York City area got them a chance to open for one of the best-known British punk bands, The Damned. They played together at Haraz in June 1979, and Jerry saw this as an even bigger opportunity. He talked to The Damned's management after the show about supporting them on a fall tour in England. Smart. It was a casual conversation, and The Damned's camp was like, oh yeah, sure, sure, we'll do that, Uh uh-huh, catch you later, bye. Oh, But didn't take it seriously. But Jerry didn't see it the same way. Yeah, I bet. The band flew to England on (gasps) November 21st to join up with the Damned on what they thought was an agreed-upon six-date tour. Stop. Come to find out, the Damned had zero plans to have the Misfits on tour with them. Stop. Yeah, none. Stop. I'm, you know what? Very embarrassed right now. <laughs> this is like I'm watching the fucking office. Super embarrassed. Yeah, this is cringe humor right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and what happened next was absolute disaster. They tried to work the Misfits into the tour anyway, even though the Damned already had an opening act. But Misfits weren't getting paid and their rented equipment was garbage. And the Damned were pretty resentful of them for pushing their way onto the tour. So after the first or second show the misfits said fuck this and left the tour hold on yes so i'm you i see you have questions not even (laughs) i just want to make sure i understand this properly Uh so privileged upper middle class white boys Mm -hmm. from new jersey 
suburban New Jersey, yes, are like, hey, we're going to tour with you. And the damned is like, okay. They never negotiate shit. Mm -hmm. They never follow up on it. They just assume, of course, the damned want us on the tour. Of course. Fly over there. Show up and they're like, hey, the dams, we're here. Remember we <laughs> here talked the about? Tour. Remember that tour we talked about? The dams like, oh, we, we didn't quite agree on anything, did we? Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and then the Artful Dodger's like, get me the fuck out of this, eh? <laughs> and then they get mad because the damned is like, well, we never agreed on anything, so we're not going to pay you. Yeah. We'll let you tour with us if you want. Like, we have this equipment that you can use, yeah. but like, eh? So, and then they have a hissy fit and go home. Basically, yes. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, they negotiated this tour through the musicians' union and received a contract from the musicians' union. And that's why they thought that they were on the tour. But the musicians' union does not schedule tours, my dudes. That is up to a tour manager. You have to negotiate that through them. The only thing that the musicians union is going to do for you is write up a contract that you have to sign and the damned has to sign. If neither one of you signs it, there's no fucking agreement anywhere. So y'all fucked up. All y'all fucked up. Show me the receipts, misfits. Yeah. And also the musicians union in the United States has nothing to do with anybody in the fucking UK. Yeah, do you even have a fucking tour manager, Misfits? At this point, no, they do not. Interessante. <laughs> I know, right? So, yeah, that's how that happened. <sighs> All right, you're, you're really waiting your argument with me. Maybe not with anyone else. <laughs> Everybody else could be listening and being like, you guys are just really hard on them. You, but like, You guys came into this all biased. Yeah, we fucking did. We already hated them. Well, what do you, you want? you hated them. I didn't have an opinion. <laughs> But you are leading me towards you. And I'm honestly just giving you straight up facts. All right. And you know I already don't like them. But, but. all right, devil's advocate, they're young, dumb, full of cum. So Mm -hmm. they're making mistakes left and right. Sure are. Okay. And you know what? They, they're trying to make their music. They have an image and a passion. They, and I can respect this. They are God smacking it all over the place. And here. I can respect that. Yeah. All right. But the bullshit didn't stop there. The boys. Oh <laughs> Connie, stop it. Stop while you're kind of not mm. even ahead. The boys wallowed in boredom in a London hotel for a week with no gigs in sight because they thought that they were going to be there for like a month. You know, you so, can go home, right? But their home flights were not booked until like the end of December. So they couldn't really change. Daddy couldn't send you a little like extra. Daddy gave them a budget. They didn't want to go over it. Okay. You know what? Responsible. At least they were responsible with the money that was literally handed to them. And that's, you know what? That is something. Check in the pro column. I'll put that in the pro column. Yeah. That's nice of them. So, yeah, they were wallowing in boredom in a London hotel. So while Jerry went sightseeing with Sid Vicious's mom, he was literally friends with Sid Vicious's mom. He was also friends with Sid Vicious and partied with him on the night that Sid Vicious died, which he very much likes to brag about. But somehow after that, he struck up a a friendship with his mother. 
I, you I don't have like, to comment on it. We can I just feel let like it go. Jerry is just like he needs. He's his father's son. Uh-huh. He's a businessman. He needs to be friends with everybody. He needs to make connections with everybody. And he's going to be the guy. He wants to be the guy. Yeah. He is not going to take the cannoli. He has his gun. <laughs> I have never seen the Godfather. Yeah. <laughs> All he's right. going to take the cannoli and start his own cannoli business. Oh, my God. But I love cannolis. And <laughs> now I really want one. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, Jerry was sightseeing with Sid Vicious's mom. Glenn and Bobby went to see the jam in concert. Wait, did you say they went to the damned? The jam. Who's the jam? Apparently a band. The jam is a band. And they they, went to see them. Are they a jam band? (laughs) I highly highly doubt it. I don't think Glenn Danzig would be caught dead at a jam band (laughs) concert. (laughs) They got into a fight with skinheads afterwards, oh, no. which led to them being arrested. They spent two nights in jail, which inspired the song London Dungeon. I mean, you know what? At least they used their time at creatively. They, at least they got a song out of it. Yep. After that, Joey Image was done with the band. He flew home to America, and three days later, the rest of the band did the same. Dejected from the disastrous UK tour, the band released the Beware EP in January 1980 to American audiences, as opposed to the English audience it was originally targeted to, and then they took a four-month break. Because, yeah. From what? I don't know. Why did they need a break from? Themselves? You know what? That's legit. Sometimes you just gotta, sometimes you feel like a nut. And sometimes Sometimes it ain't. Sometimes it ain't. So I want to pause here and take a second to talk about the Beware EP, because this EP contains two songs that I have to reference when people ask me why I do not like the Misfits. Oh, wow. This is early. The bullshit started early, Maggie. Wow, wow, wow. You can wax poetic about how well-crafted their music is, but Last Caress and Attitude are two of the most misogynistic songs not just in punk, but in rock and roll, period. I feel like I have heard about Attitude. And Last Caress, because Last Caress is one of their most well-known for the lyrics being just gross. C- gross. Okay. And Blayla, their satirical songs, what fucking ever, I don't care. I don't give a fuck if they're satirical because the image that they are presented in a mostly male audience is one that makes it seem like it's okay to exploit, harass, rape, and murder women. Ashley, it's just a joke. Can't you take a joke? Are you a feminazi? Look, Ashley, they're they're joking about it to show you how ridiculous it is. Are they? Yeah. Oh, are they? Yup. In the song Attitude, the lyrics say, Inside your feeble brain, there's probably a whore. If you don't shut your mouth, you're going to feel the floor. Oof. There's a good possibility that a teenage dude with a chip on his shoulder or a little bit of rage or God forbid he's been abused himself hears that. He could think, yeah, I can take my rage out on some bitch because she deserves it. That's kind of like that John Lennon song. You can't do that. You can't do that or like you better run or whatever the fuck it is. Oh, my God. And as we all know, Danzig has a reputation for being a sexist and homophobic asshole. So why would I take his lyrics any other way than violent towards women? What reason has he given me 
to think that he doesn't mean it. I'm giving shrug. you shrug emoji right now. Shrug emoji is all nothing. over. I got nothing. So yeah, I'm going to say I don't like the fucking misfits and a big fucking reason is the lyrics because people can come at me and be like, but you like Peter Steele and you like typo negative and they say some really sexist shit. Okay, but there's a big fucking difference here. Peter Steele is not talking about raping women Mm -mm. because he likes it. Whereas Danzig is talking about raping women because not only does he like it, they fucking deserve it just for existing. Well, I feel like Peter still more or less sings about having sex with women on their periods. Exactly. <laughs> I'm Hello, fine with Wolf that. Moon. You know what? I appreciate that. Right? Period sex should be normalized. And, and I think that's what Peter Steele was going for. But I'm going to go <laughs> ahead and say that maybe, you know, exploiting rape because, you know, you think it's cool is not something that I'm going to this is not a situation where I'm going to separate the art and the artist because I don't think it deserves it I think we can revisit this more towards the end because I do have my thoughts Mm. absolutely we will revisit it yeah yeah let's continue because I do have my thoughts but I feel like they're more suited towards Mm. later Mm -hmm. later times oh yes with Joey image gone the guys brought in a new drummer by the name of Arthur McGuckin who (laughs) wisely question mark took the stage name arthur guji oh i wanted him to say arthur mcfuckin <laughs> that's oh, what he should have called himself i was like well it's arthur mcfuckin right <laughs> you should've fucked been. up you fucked up you my mcfuckin dude. up yeah <laughs> at the same time jerry was scheming to get bobby Steele kicked out of the band and his 16 year old brother paul kaiafa to replace him why He's 16. Yeah. Jerry believed Bobby wasn't a good fit for the band anymore. Oh, my God. Is he the godfather? He could be. Oh, my goodness. Cannolis. (laughs) Cannoli. He was on the frail side and often used a cane to get around, and Jerry didn't think he'd be able to pop out of a coffin on stage. So That's a great reason to get rid of him. Isn't it? Great reason. Yeah. He talks shit about him not making it to practices and acting like he doesn't doesn't give a shit about the band. What do you have? Spinal bifida? Spina bifida. It's spina bifida. <laughs> what do you fucking want from him? He literally walks with a cane, my dude. Like, chill. Maybe he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to pop out of a coffin. Maybe he can just be the Grim Reaper. Oh yeah. See? Missed opportunity. Again. You didn't consult me, but fine. I wasn't born yet, but whatever. <laughs> this is still just the late 70s? Yes, it is. <laughs> doof. Fuck. In contrast to Bobby, Paul seemed perfect. He was a hulking lug like his brother. He wore his hair in a devil lock. And with the burly Jerry Only and Glenn Danzig, the three of them looked like monsters on stage. So they kicked Bobby out and Paul, now nicknamed Doyle, would who couldn't really even play the guitar was declared the misfits new guitarist there's a theme here i fucking this is nepotism oh yeah. 101 nepotism on high okay jerry is running the misfits like a corporation and i'm getting sick of it i'm already done it never ends maggie <sighs> this new lineup would record the misfits first full-length album walk among us released in march 1982 By now, the punk movement had largely dried up, 
But misfits were just left of center enough to reinvigorate the scene. Okay. The fans gobbled up the album, ecstatic that they could finally get all the Misfits' best songs on one vinyl. And now is when another band member needs to bite the dust, and this time it's drummer Googie. Googie, no. (laughs) No, Googie, no. Is that McFuckin'? That's McFuckin'. McFuckin', no. Also, I have come up with way better nicknames for these people. (laughs) Why the fuck wasn't I born yet? Lack of creativity. Also, they wouldn't listen to me. I have a vagina. Oh, exactly. There's a lot of speculation as to why he was kicked out, but there's a good chance a lot of it has to do with Danzig and the rest of the band, honestly, being homophobes. What? As far no. Yeah. As far as I know, Googie was not gay. However, he was pretty liberal and the rest of the band members have fragile egos. Wait, what? No. Everything I've told you says otherwise, right? Yeah. Apparently, Googie once made a comment about he'd about how he'd give himself a blowjob if he could. And but the, I thought every man would give themselves a blowjob right? if they could. Like then you don't even have to try. Gentlemen or dick owners. Yeah. Please let us know. You'd give yourself a blowjob if you could, right? Right? I mean, like, we already fuck ourselves already. Honestly, like, if I were a dude, if I could do that, yeah, I would. All I could think of right now is medical metalocalypse. I did it, guys. I sucked your own kick. <laughs> It's like real geek. But seriously, I assumed everyone liked to suck their own dick. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. No, Danzig and Jerry totally sucked their own dicks. They just hated that their friend was like, I might do it. And they're like, fuck, you might think we're gay. Exactly. Beat him up. Yeah, exactly. The guys were so offended that they kicked him out of the van that they were traveling in. And Danzig. Once wrote to a friend that he thought Googie was gay because all the groupies he he slept with were, quote, old, fat, and ugly. And he also called San Francisco homoland and insisted that men were trying to smooch him left and right. And he was so grossed out over it. Honey, you are not. No. You are not material. Men need to stop being homophobic because they feel like every gay man is going to just immediately try and suck their dick. Honey. Honey, that is an inflated ego to a degree that is unrealistic. Like, just the rape and the homophobia to the point where you think gay men are hitting on you? Like, constantly hitting you. On have, you have, like... The most fragile ego I could possibly imagine. But also, can you imagine what it'd be like to feel like you're that good looking? Right? Sometimes. How is it? Kind of wish I did. How can you have that much of a fragile ego, but yet such an inflated sense of self? Self. Yeah. It must be just fires burning deep in your soul constantly. Mm Mm-hmm. The stress. The stress these guys are going through thinking everyone wants to fuck that Maggie. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I didn't know how else to react. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Everything came to a head on April 15th, 1982 at a California McDonald's. And I'm already having flashbacks to Slayer's TGI Fridays incidents. Look, they're never going to forget what you did to Ronald McDonald. Never. They're just not. Never. An absolutely starving Googie wanted to get two cheeseburgers instead of the one he was allotted all day. What? Yeah. Yeah. 
But Danzig refused as the boys had already blown through their budget that Jerry's father gave them. Yo, man, look, look, Jerry's dad only gave us enough money so we can each get one cheeseburger. Exactly. You can't fucking have a second one. You can't have two. Are you fucking serious, man? What are these, like 79 cents? You can't fucking have that. Seriously. God, fuck. A fist fight, a literal fist fight broke out (laughs) right there in McDonald's. And Googie told Danzig to fuck off. He's out of the band. You know what? Good for Googie. Good for Googie. He didn't take you go their and shit. Get, you go and get your two cheeseburgers, Googie. Googie, I hope you got all the cheeseburgers you ever fucking wanted <laughs> after this. He just moved on and said, I'm going to get all the fucking cheeseburgers I want, bitch. you get three cheeseburgers. Honestly, they are small cheeseburgers. They were, yeah, they were small. Yeah. I get it. At the suggestion of friend Henry Rollins, they replaced Googie with ex-Black Flag drummer Robo, a Colombian national with a knack for the drums, but constantly plagued with passport issues. Oh. (laughs) Hey, guys. Henry Rollins hot. (laughs) Henry Rollins, what's up hotline? (laughs) Henry Rollins, what's up hotline? I got a great idea for you. You take our drummer... I mean, he has really bad, like, visa and passport issues, but he's fucking sick. He's a really great drummer. He's a great drummer. We call him Robo because he's like a robot. But, like, you're going to have a lot of problems, but he's great. And that's what's up. Henry Rollins, <laughs> what's up, Hotline? <laughs> Thank. Why is that your suggestion? I, he liked Robo. I mean, I'm sure Robo's wonderful, but if you've got friends struggling with drummers, maybe don't suggest someone who's having issues staying in the country. Yeah. Well, his issue was like going other places. So he had, I guess he had a passport that allowed him to be in the United States. Oh, but if they wanted to go overseas uh, from the United States, then it was a problem. That is a pain in the dick. Right. And right. eventually they would use that as a reason to kick him out. But what? No way. No way. <laughs> the band embarked on a national tour in September 1982, and their stint in the Deep South would prove more than they bargained for when they were arrested in New Orleans. Good. I mean, what? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> the group and 14 other people were arrested for trespassing and grave robbing when they entered St. Louis Cemetery Number no. 2 in search of the bones of voodoo priestess Marie Laveau. But, like... Leave her bones alone? They didn't get her bones. But But they wanted them. Right. But they weren't even in the correct cemetery. She was buried in St. Louis Cemetery number one. Hi. Morons. (laughs) But also leave her bones alone. She didn't do anything. Leave her alone. It's not going to make you. Anyway. Yes. Continue. Anyway. The third Kaiafa brother, Kenny, was able to bail out his two brothers and Danzig, but told Robo, sorry, bro, all out of cash. Can't get you out. (gasps) It was a cruel joke. He did get him out, but like it was it was it was fucked. Don't say that. Don't do that. What a shithead. I don't like these people. (laughs) Exactly. They're terrible people. But like I'm seeing the core of this is really just Danzig and Jerry. Yes. They are the ones that are leading this group. Everyone else generally seems fine. Weirdos. Yeah. Especially Gucci or whatever his name is. Googie. Googie. He just wanted a hamburger. Get Googie a hamburger. Give Googie McFucking a hamburger. (laughs) I like him. He's my favorite. Cruel jokes aside, there was tension brewing amongst the misfits. 
Robo was living with Danzig at the time while the Kaiafa brothers lived at home and worked at their father's manufacturing company. Robo also got a job there. However, Danzig effectively stayed home and wrote songs all day. So, like, I'm going to need you guys all to go work so we can get more of Jerry's dad's money. Uh, I'm going to write some sweet fucking tunes, though. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll am i look after the fan club. Did he? Yeah. All right. I mean, that's something. How much work is that? It's not, but I just, like, at least it's something. Yeah. Robo became increasingly resentful when he'd come home from a long shift and just want to sit and relax with a beer and take it easy, but Danzig would chide him for not immediately working on music. Bitch, I just worked a 12-hour shift at the fucking factory. I'm sorry, what do you want me to do now? You want me to fucking practice my fucking drums? Drums, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry, you want me to jump on my fucking drums? Can I have... Two hours to eat dinner, have a beer, maybe watch some, like, fucking Jeopardy. Can I just watch some football for, like, five minutes? Like, I need you to take your skinny little white boy ass out of my face. Actually, it's a wide white boy ass. Wide white boy ass. And, like, it's just because I know, like, Danzig, is, like, he's obsessed with working out. Oh, yeah. Like, him and Jerry and Doyle are all obsessed with working out. I mean, for what it's worth, they are all in great shape. Right. They are all very wide men because they're like, well, we have to make up for all of our other losses. Let's be wide <laughs> with muscle. Let's be wide. That's a really good band name. Wide with sh- muscle. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a good album name, sophomore album, Wide with Muscle. Wide with Muscle. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Danzig was also pissed at Jerry and Doyle for their seeming non-commitment to the band, or at least in his eyes. To Danzig, they weren't living the punk lifestyle like he was. They liked sports, often wore New York Giants gear offstage. They loved Van Halen. Basically, they weren't living in a gothic comic book world like Danzig was. Which is fine. It's fine. It they doesn't go make them stage, less punk. Right? And they go on stage. They do their job. They fucking write music. Right. They, they are clearly here for it. If anything... They're even more punk for not living that lifestyle off stage. Isn't isn't punk supposed to be like bucking trends and, and the like, trend of punk is to live that way and they're not doing that. So that makes them therefore more punk. I think the the core of punk is living your truth. And if they're living their truth, that's punk. That's punk. So shut up, Danzig. Yeah. But to Danzig that meant that they weren't dedicated. But the clincher was Jerry's burgeoning cocaine habit. Oh, that's not great, That's though. not good. That's not a good time. Which super rubbed the cl- rubbed the clean living Danzig the wrong way. Oh, so was Danzig, like, always, like, a really, like, straight-laced, clean guy when it came to, like, drugs and alcohol? He would drink. Like, he would have, have a couple beverages. Yeah, he would have a rum and coke. Do but, like, Franz, yeah. <laughs> a nice arsenic-laced box wine. I mean, it might look like blood, which could work for his aesthetic. So do Shirley Temples. (laughs) They're a little bit too pink, but if you put enough grenadine in them, Mm -hmm. the Sprite really takes on a blood-like look. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Robo had enough of Danzig's bullshit and left the band in August 1983. Good. Get the fuck out of there, Robo. You're better than that. Not long before then, Danzig confessed to Henry Rollins that he wasn't satisfied with Misfits anymore. And then Henry pulled him in close and said, I get it. You know, it's hard out there, isn't it? We just can rely on each other now. 
I'll be your rock, Danzig. And then, and then, just then they planted a fucking sloppy wet kiss right oh, on him. Oh, God. And they made the sweetest love that night. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got hollow notes in the background just going like, I can't go for that. No. Satan says, I can't go for that. <laughs> and that's how Henry Rollins and Danzig got together. Yeah. The end. <laughs> this is a great episode, Ashley. Thank you so much. <laughs> God, I wish. Maybe we need to start doing fake endings for the podcast. <laughs> Just to make us feel better about Everyone like, our lives. Everyone ended up being friends and getting along really well. Yeah, and everybody lived their truth and it was fine. Nobody was homophobic. Nobody was sexist. Everyone regretted everything that they you ever did. They put out... Three, they apologized. They put out three amazing albums, and then they stopped and looked at each other like, I love you and respect you as a person. I think it's time for all of us to move on. Yeah. And they all did, and they all still very much love and respect each other. That's how I wish every episode of fucking yeah, Rock right? Candy ended. Instead of the opposite, we're like, they fucking drove each other into the goddamn ground. <laughs> and then and they all died other. of cancer. It's like, yeah. No, no, they all died of heroin. Heroin. They all died of heroin cancer. <laughs> okay back to the actual story not our projections onto this so yeah danzig confessed to henry rollins that he wasn't satisfied with the misfits anymore and was writing material for a new project with robo's departure danzig seized an opportunity to cancel some misfits dates and fly to washington dc where he met up with members of the band minor threat to maybe possibly start something up Hmm. Super secret, of course. Super secret. Meanwhile, the Misfits tried their best to get their shit together. Despite heated tension between Danzig and the rest of the band, they pulled together to hire a new drummer. (laughs) Okay. Yet again for like the 10th fucking time. Did Doyle learn guitar by this point? He, He was a serviceable guitarist at this point. All right. Jerry went behind Danzig's back and tried to re recruit Googie. Which Danzig promptly vetoed. No, I mean, he's gay. Exactly. Instead, they hired Danzig's choice, Brian Damage Keats from the Jersey Man Genocide. Okay. His extremely short tenure with Misfits was turbulent at best. The only show he played with them was their yearly, much-anticipated Halloween show held in Detroit that year. Okay. Keats was at least two sheets to the wind when the show started, and they had no set list, so he had no idea what song he was supposed to be playing or when. Oh, no. When he fucked up two songs right off the bat, Doyle ejected him from the stage and brought in a different drummer. But, like, but that's not entirely it's not his, his fault. fault. No. It's kind of his fault, but not entirely no, his No, not fault. entirely. And they, they cop to that later. Okay. They're like, it was it was not really his fault. Okay. Um. But like he showed up, he did what he was supposed to do. He fucked up. It wasn't entirely his fault. Period. Okay. You know what? Great. Yes. Danzig was so pissed that Doyle ejected him that he announced to the audience, "This is our last show ever." Oh. He wasn't fucking around either. Oh. It was their last show. But they had to stick together for the rest of 1983. (laughs) (laughs) Misfits second and last album. We have only gotten to their second album, ladies and gentlemen. You know, I was going to ask. That is listening to us right now. Yes. It was their second and last album. Earth AD was released on December 12th that year. And if the ill-fated Halloween show didn't shove the stake all the way through their hearts... (laughs) 
than this album did. Oh my. Earth AD presented a, a tone shift that didn't groove with audiences. Okay. It was blatantly faster than their earlier output and much heavier, more reminiscent of the upcoming hardcore scene than the sci-fi and horror-inspired punk of their previous album. Which makes sense, considering how much Danzig's been hanging out with Henry Rollins. Right. And everyone was kind of like, what the fuck is this? And fittingly, the last single Misfits released with Danzig at the helm was titled Die, Die, My Darling. Ah, yes. Irony. (sighs) Which, that is a Misfits song I like. Sure. Why? It's fine. It's fine. I just... And sad, sad, sad. (laughs) <laughs> um, the first time I heard it was on uh, Metallica did that covers album. Oh, I, mm. the Garage Inc. Yeah, I'm gonna get to some of that shit. Hold oh, on. Oh, wow, wowie, wow, wow. Wait, wait, wait. So Danzig departed ways with Misfits, linking up with those guys from Minor Threat to create a punk supergroup. They called this band Sawin, and I'm gonna stop right here and say yes. I know it is most commonly pronounced Sam Hain when referencing this band, but that's wrong. That's incorrect. <laughs> it is incorrect. It's pronounced Sawin, so that's how I'm going to say it. Wait a minute. Fight me. Do they call themselves Sam Hain? Kind of. Like... Sam Hain. Sam Hain. Sam Hain. Um, I don't think Danzig has ever referenced them as Sam Hain. Because in they they say the word in their songs, and he says Sawin, but oh. fans continue to call it Sam Hain because they don't know how to pronounce Sawin, which is fair, which is fair. But it got to, it. It's just at a point where it's like everyone just says Sam Hain, but it's Sawin, but it's Sawin. And you know what? We're gonna hey hey, we're not calling you out, kids. We're calling you in. Let's all come together. We're all going to sit down in a circle. We're all going to look at each other. We'll teach you how to pronounce something. So Samhain is a Celtic word. You know what? Let me have this. (laughs) I confused myself with three beers. Yes. It is a Celtic word. It is is typically what people associate with Halloween. Mm -hmm. But it's actually kind of like a harvest festival. Mm, The harvest. Indeed. Samhain produced two albums before Rick Rubin got his grubby little hands on them. Oh. He signed them to his Deaf American label. However, he expressed how disappointed he was that he couldn't sign just Danzig alone. Oh, no. So Glenn reworked the lineup and changed the name to Danzig, effectively turning it into a solo act. Oh, I think I knew that. Yeah. That sounds really familiar. Samhain was not around for all that long. No. But the man was doing what he always wanted to do, leading a band with a gothic sound, very doom and gloom, but with heavy metal leanings. He never lost the kitsch of the early misfits, but worked them into an evolving heavy metal sound. Meanwhile, Jerry and Doyle went back to working at their dad's machine shop full time. Oof. <laughs> Ooh, ripperoni boys. <laughs> Being working class stiffs only reaffirmed Jerry's regret over things he did while in Misfits. Oh, I bet. And consequently, he got really hardcore into Christianity. Why? Why is that always the place people go to? Because why not? And especially if you're trying to get over drugs, I guess, you know. No. You know what? I'm saying it. And maybe this is going to upset some people, but I'm saying this for just like the sake of saying it. Because this is what I believe. 
don't fucking get clean for God. <laughs> get clean for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Change your life because you want to be a better person. Not because you think some fucking sky man is watching <laughs> your fucking moves and judging you. And you're like, oh, well, if I do the wrong thing, I'll go to heaven or hell. No. More people statistically stick to sobriety and just stick to like a better path when they do it for themselves. Yeah. Don't fucking do it for your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatnot. Don't do it for your parents or for God. This is for do you. Do it for yourself. This is for you. I'm so fucking sick of being like, I couldn't have gotten through this without the without the power of Jesus. Yes, you could have. The power of Jesus is just you. You could have And you have put a fucking name to it because you're too afraid to have faith in yourself. Have faith in yourself. Yeah. You couldn't have gotten through this without the power of some invisible person that you really have no proof exists. Mm-hmm. But- you know, th- that's who gives you the power to overcome any addiction you might have. No, actually, it was all you. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's the rock candy PSA <laughs> on Jesus, I guess. I guess. Here you go. Please continue with the misfits. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. He started a family and seemed to move away from the misfits, even starting a new band with Doyle, a Christian metal band called Christ the Conqueror. Christ spelled K R Y S T. What? What? The okay. <laughs> the bands never got off the ground. Mainly, what? No, really. <laughs> oh, fuck me then. <laughs> mainly because Jerry refused to settle for anything less than headliner, meaning they never played any shows. Inflated ego. Can't. Again, if he had to respond, if he had to fucking answer to himself and not Jesus. Maybe the ego would go down a little Maybe. too. But also there were a lot of people who really side-eyed his uh, commitment to God mm-hmm. and were just like, he's just doing this to try and like have an angle for his band. Probably. I Again, marketing king over here. I'm not going to lie. Marketing fucking king. Jerry's yes. good at what he does when he does it well. Oh, yes. But sometimes he does it bad. And I'd say this is doing it bad. What what is your audience for a Christian metal band? Yeah. When you sound like Man of War and dress like a Viking. Yeah. I mean, I would go to that show to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> but you're like, like, I just need to see this. I just need to see this. If he was an opening band for somebody. Oh, I ain't yeah. going to see that headliner. Are you no. kidding me? I'm here for you for 20 minutes and that's it. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Do you even have enough material to be a headliner? You know what? Never mind. Just keep going. <laughs> They put out two albums, so apparently, yes, they did. Oh, my God. Everyone thought that Misfits were dead, and no one really gave a shit, but then something interesting happened. Mm? Thanks in huge part to Cliff Burton, Metallica's original bassist who perished in a bus crash in 1986. Which fucking awful on 20 levels. That is the most tragic part of this entire story is that Cliff Burton from Metallica died in a bus crash in 1986. That's like the most tragic thing to happen to rock ever. Literally. Fight me. Yeah. But thanks to him, Misfits started gaining popularity. Cliff often sported Misfits Mm t-shirts and gushed about their influence on him in interviews. Mm -hmm. In 1987, the band included two Misfits covers on the 598 EP then Guns N' Roses included a cover of Attitude on their Spaghetti Incident album. Because of course they did. Because of course they did. Wait, are you saying that Guns N' Roses might be misogynists? 
fucking hilarious thing though is when I was writing my notes, I was like, Guns N' Roses included a cover of Attitude on their Spaghetti Incident album because of course they did. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't write that. Definitely said it to myself. But you knew we would say it. Yeah. All of a sudden, a lot of people started asking who the fuck the misfits were. And this is like the, at this point, this late, late 80s, early 90s. Late 80s, 1987. Well after the band had called it quits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These two albums sold a lot of copies, which meant Misfits were due a lot of royalties. Mm-hmm. But who would get the royalties? Wait, are you saying they didn't fill out the pop- proper paperwork? <laughs> what? Never. All Misfits songs were credited to Danzig and Danzig alone, which is fucking stupid. Mm. Guys. Did everyone else get paid in cannolis? <laughs> You know what? I'd get paid in cannolis. I would get paid in cannoli. <laughs> All the songs were credited credited to Danzig, which pissed off Jerry and Doyle and a slew of past band members. Yup. That's so fair. So the past band members took Danzig to court. So this is like 20 people versus yeah, Pretty Danzig. much. Danzig said, fuck these guys. I wrote all the music. Jerry did concede that Danzig wrote a majority of the songs, but at least 25 to 30 percent of the songwriting was the rest of the band and therefore they deserve money. I agree. No, I was just going to say, hold up, Danzig. Mm -hmm. Maybe you did write these songs. Mm -hmm. Maybe you didn't write 100 percent. I don't think you wrote 100 percent, but that's not where I'm here at. Mm -mm. Why were you able to spend so much time on songwriting? Oh, I don't know. Was it because every fucking person that you put in your band worked a full-time fucking job so that you didn't have to? Yeah. And not just worked a full-time job. They would, like, Jerry and Doyle would pull double shifts, like 12-hour fucking shifts at their dad's machine shop. Granted, it was their dad's machine shop, but whatever. They were pulling double shifts. It's probably still hard work. Because they had to pull these double shifts so that their dad would give them money. Granted, he kind of just gave them money if they fucking asked for it. But they at least attempted religiously to make up for it by working in this machine shop. Also, on top of that, they would come home from their shifts and then you would tell them, all right, let's go to work. Yep. So they were working with you on creating songs. Right. And you know what? Whatever you think of Jerry, Homeboy was your fucking He was your bro. Manager. He was your ride or die. He was your manager, though, too. He was the one making the connections. Danzig, who the fuck is going to talk to Danzig? Right? Like, Everyone's going to talk to Jerry. Exactly. Jerry's the face. Because he's the business guy and he's the face. So... Say what you want, Danzig, but you created a community of humans Mm -hmm. to make it so that you never had to work a goddamn day in your life except on music. Exactly. I just want you to think about that. Yeah. I rest my case. (laughs) The prosecution rests. (laughs) Yes. They reached a settlement in 1995 that would end up beneficial to everyone. Okay. It allowed Jerry and Doyle to continue performing as the Misfits, and merchandising rights would be split between them and Danzig. 
And those t-shirt sales would just skyrocket. Holy shit. After this, I feel like the Misfits launched one of the biggest and most successful branding campaigns in the history of music Mm -hmm. to a point where it's absurd. When I open my Facebook and I get ads for clothing companies selling bikinis with the Crimson Ghost on the crotch, you've gone too far. (laughs) Crimson crotch. (laughs) Crimson crotch. (laughs) Crimson crotch ghost. Crimson cooter. Oh, crimson cooter. I like that. (laughs) That's kind of adorable. Hey, wolf moon. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wolf moon and crimson cooter. Wolf moon indeed. Wolf moon indeed. Mm. Jerry and Doyle immediately got the band back together after the court case was settled. They brought in their Christ the Conqueror drummer and set out to find a new vocalist after Glenn refused to come back. Hey, Glenn, let's just like, hey, let's just fucking do it again. No, man, I'm let's not going to fucking do back that together. ever fucking again. Fuck you guys. I got cats to put cat litter in their boxes for. I'm over here singing mother. Mother. <laughs> <laughs> they held open auditions and deemed 19-year-old Michael Emmanuel fit to take the spot. That's young. Super young. Did not realize that. He adopted the stage name Michael Graves, and the Graves era of the Misfits are some of the most maligned Misfits album albums in their discography. I feel like I know something about that. A lot of everything that I know about oh. the Misfits are whispers that I've heard behind my head. My dude's been in the news lately, and I'll be getting to that in just a second. Oh, Ripperoni. Just right now. Because honestly... I don't even want to talk about Michael Graves' career. Oh, no. Because I don't give a fucking shit. Oh, no. In the last few years, he has aligned himself with the Proud Boys. Oh, no. And was a very vocal Trump supporter. Oh, God. He even defended the Proud Boys in court during trials for this January 6th insurrection. Oh, God, what are you doing to me? I'm dead. So, frankly, I don't give a fucking shit about him or his career. And as far as I'm concerned, he can go fuck himself. Why? Don't give a shit not talking about him. <sighs> this story is just filled with bad people. <laughs> except for McFucking and Franzia. <laughs> Those are the only two people I like in this story. Fucking yeah, you know, you know, you know what? Those and Franzia is so long ago. Like I, he's not, he's not coming back. I know, yeah. but I just, you know what? They were done dirty, man. They were all right. Still, the late nineties was a pretty weird era for the Misfits, as Danzig was getting accolades for his popular single "Mother." Mother. Hey, hey, is your child walking my way? <laughs> Fucking get out of here. my way. Get out of here. Get out of here. Uh, Jerry and Doyle, who was now known as Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein. I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't okay. know why. Yep, it's fine. Keep going. It's fine. Jerry, Doyle, and the gang started making appearances in movies to up their profile. Okay. Again, marketing genius. Anim- Marketing smart guy. I won't say genius. <laughs> Marketing smart guy. <laughs> Animal Room, Big Money Hustlers, Bruiser, and Campfire Stories all hit theaters around this time. And I'm sure you could tell that they were huge successes. I have never heard of a single one of these movies. Nope, what year is this? Uh, Animal Room was 95 and the other three were like 2000, 2001. Nope. Nothing. <laughs> no, nope. <laughs> and I went to the movies a lot. 
in 2000, 2001. I didn't, so. Never heard of these fucking movies. Fair enough. <laughs> Around this time, the Misfits also started appearing on WCW. That's world. Oh, I do remember this. That's world championship wrestling to you noobs out there. Oh my gosh! No, I, I, wow, yep. My jogging your memory. One hundred. My bringing up shit you tried now, to repress. Back in the day, I was strictly a WWF lady. Would oh, not yeah. watch WCW, but I do remember the Misfits being a part of that. Uh huh. So they formed an alliance with wrestler Vampiro. But they didn't just escort him to the ring or write a fun intro song. And also, yeah, they replaced ICP as like Vampiro's like musical association. Yeah. ICP had tour obligations. So they brought in Misfits instead. Look at your life. Look at your choices. Thank you. Mm hmm. So they actually participated in matches. The mm-hmm. most famous was a cage match where Jerry wrestled Dr. Death in a steel cage match. Ooh. And the rest of the members of Misfits, and I believe Vampiro too, poured barbecue sauce on like his manager or something. It was fucking ridiculous. Hey, that stings your eyes. They put it in his eyes. No. Oh, oh. Not the eyes. There's barbecue sauce in my eyes. <laughs> BBQ in my eyes. <laughs> Not the BBQ. I feel like this should be in like Rick and Morty or something. There's mm-hmm. barbecue sauce in my eyes. So things deteriorated with WCW after Jerry suffered injuries during matches and Doyle fell in love with Randy Savage's kayfabe girlfriend, Gorgeous George. Oh. You don't do that. Oh. To Randy Savage. Kayfabe or not, don't fall in love. With Randy Savage's with any, girl. With any girl associated with Randy Savage. You fucked up. You done fucked up. But also they eventually got married, so. Wait, he married Randy Savage's girlfriend? Kayfabe girlfriend. So like. She wasn't like a R- not IRL. Not really a girlfriend, but they pretended like she was an IRL girlfriend. Oh, do you think he was friends with Randy Savage? Maybe. I want to pretend they were friends, even though I don't love them. I mean, Doyle was an asshole enough and Randy Savage was on enough steroids that like they could <laughs> I, have something in common. He just goes to the wedding. He's like, hey, congratulations. Just never know a Slim Jim. <laughs> he just brought so many Slim Jims to the wedding. He's like, I meant to bring cigars. I accidentally <laughs> just brought a bunch of Slim Jims. Sorry, that wasn't an accident. I'm addicted to Slim Jims. Help me. <laughs> Randy Savage, Mm. we miss you. Love you. Miss you. Wish you were here. On October 25th, 2000, both Michael Graves and drummer Dr. Chud (laughs) left the bands after walking off stage at a show in Orlando. And I couldn't really give less of a shit about what happened between then and now. It's just a back and forth between the Misfits touring and making albums. Danzig continuing to say really dumb shit that solidifies his reputation as a total fucking asshole. Okay. And the two parties engaged in constant trademark court cases. So I'm just going to skip ahead to the like kind of now. So wait. So for about 30 years, Um, you have Jerry and Doyle v. Danzig for 
just like misfits rights, misfits stuff, like mm-hmm. we're the real misfits. No, I'm the real misfits. It's yeah. like just like headbutting for and about at, a good 30 years. And at some point, Doyle kind of leaves and starts a band called Gorgeous George with um or starts it's not called Gorgeous George. It's called um Gorgeous Frankenstein. Sure. With Gorgeous George. But wait, is it about Frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster? I don't know. I don't think he even knows. He probably doesn't because he's a bitch. Yeah. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm not? He's going to come beat us up at some point. We are. This is where we die. This is where we die, guys. We're getting canceled and we're getting murdered. Yeah, probably. But all right, fine. We had a good run. Can I stop for a hot second? Is it because I'm drunk? Or is it because this story is so fucking convoluted? Or because you're angry? I'm not even angry. (laughs) Ashley, I'm just confused. Who are the fucking misfits? I don't know. Who are they? This doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Do they even matter? No. They don't. Which is hilarious to me why so many people have asked us to do this episode. (laughs) Because, like... I, I really don't know. They have influenced so many bands, but I really I feel like question... those bands could have existed without the Misfits. Yeah, I really feel like to what extent did they really um, influence all of these bands? Because, yeah. yeah, they really, they were so singular, which I guess makes them, like, unique interesting. and interesting. Um, And they, look, here's the thing. They got a few fucking bops. I genuinely do like some of their songs. Mm-hmm. That the ones that aren't like horrifyingly misogynistic and rapey. Mm-hmm. But, like, but also the fact that I had to put that caveat on there. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I really wish I could answer your question, but. I'm so confused. Let's, let's just finish up. Finish up. Let's discuss after we finish up. I'm sorry. So, Please continue. So in 2014. Danzig brought a court case against Jerry for allegedly negotiating merchandise contracts with Hot Topic and other. <laughs> you can't I even finish sentence. <laughs> with Hot Topic and other stores behind his back when they're supposed to be splitting merch sales. <laughs> <laughs> and it turns out Hot Topic strikes again. You know what? You know who's the winner in all of this? Hot, Hot Topic. topic. <laughs> Hot Topic. <laughs> Directly into the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so that case was thrown out. But the legal teams for both parties negotiated a series of reunion shows where profits would be split 50-50. Okay. This directly led to two reunion shows in 2016 at two riot fests in Chicago and Denver. I vaguely remember shitting, people shitting their pants over this. They did. Yes. And those shows were with our friend Dave Lombardo of Slayer filling in on drums. Okay. <laughs> he did too something. Many, too many Daves. Too many Daves. Since, He's like, I get it. We had an incident in front of a TGI Fridays. So like. I got to make up for it somehow. I get it. Play with these legends? Question mark. I kind of want chicken nuggets now. Yo. Moth sticks. But since then, the boys have played reunion shows here and there, teasing the possibility of getting together to record once more. 
but it's likely that will never happen as we all know that these guys have balls so fucking massive that they can't all fit into one room at once. I'm just picturing like three men sitting on balls that are just very large. Those bouncy balls, those, those exercise balls. balls. They <laughs> but they're delightful. just their own fucking balls. They just bounce around and just shout at each other. <laughs> <laughs> hey, fuck you. Hey, fuck you. Yeah. The original Danzig era of the Misfits only lasted for six years. That's it. But this saga has gone on for so long. Over 40 years at this point. But the mainstays of the band would make their mark on punk and metal for fucking decades. Mm -hmm. Mostly I just can't can't get over the fucking branding empire that these guys have. And I just, I don't, it's fucking insane. So I'm going to say it. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we're already canceled, right? Sure. And we already have, like, hits on us from the Misfits, right? Yep. I think the only reason people really like the Misfits is because they were really good at branding. Yeah. Like... And they just... Their music is fine. I think people only, I don't think they've done anything special. I don't think they've done anything that has, like, been an, an insane cultural zeitgeist the way a lot of people that we have talked about on this podcast have. Mm -hmm. I don't get it. You know what? I don't even hate them. You've gotten me to the point where I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand the misfits. Isn't it funny that we've been going on for almost two hours now and like all I've done is made you not understand the misfits? More than I already did. <laughs> like I'm just like, why do people shit their pants over the I misfits? Don't know. Like, sure. Some of their songs, total bops. Sure. I'm going to give it to you. But their like, Walk Among Us is actually a really good album okay it's a great punk album that i can actually listen to front to back however once i start thinking about it slightly deeper than skin deep yeah i fucking hate it and that's what i don't get why do people shit their pants over the misfits <laughs> i don't know because their t-shirts look really fucking their cool their t-shirts are you know what their t-shirts are really cool. Like, I've thought about buying Misfits t-shirts because they look really they look cool. awesome. <laughs> and I will give them that. But that's what I think it is. The Misfits are as big as they are now because of branding. And that is Jerry's doing. Yeah. He really took the helm when it came to getting their image out there. I can almost guarantee you that almost 70 to 80% of the people that wear misfits clothing that are wearing them right fucking now don't really know their music they probably know like maybe three songs maybe maybe sure like they probably know die die my darling and at this point, they might even know like attitude and at this point for the wrong reason i am not going to malign them for that no i mean you know what like business is what it is yeah you gotta like and that's why i think fuck doyle get get also, here, fuck that piece of shit because recently he made very shitty comments about how he fucking hates to meet fans because they're all pieces of shit. Yeah. And it's like, oh, they pay $50 for this meet and greet and they're just, you know, fucking assholes. I don't want to do that shit. I don't want to meet these people. It's like, they're the ones paying your bills, my dude. Yeah, my they're dude. They're the ones keeping because... you doing what you're doing, my dude. Because they're... apparently 10 years ago, you were still working at Daddy's Factory. <laughs> so, like, maybe exactly. stop and think. Also, they're the ones that are funding your fucking muscle milk, like 
workout protein powder oh that you gosh. just put out. Stop. So suck my dick, Doyle. I don't fucking care how you feel about your fans. Look. And it sucks that you feel that way also. Yeah, that's not fair. Your fans are fucking loyal, lovely human beings. And mm-hmm. I do look to all of you Misfits fans. I'm like, but why? <laughs> but why? Why? But either way, fuck Doyle. Get him out of here. Jerry and Danzig, for better or worse, are the misfits. Mm -hmm. Jerry was the marketing. Danzig was the The fucking, the face, the creative partner. Like The atmosphere. They honestly made a perfect business together. Yeah. But they cannot work together. But they still make a perfect business because you know homeboys are still making tons of fucking money. If they could just get over their own egos and get back together, they could have conquered so much oh my gosh but they cannot get over themselves it's insane how if you stop and look at it so many people are just thirsty for the misfits yeah and these two assholes are just like well i don't like him well if this guy would do this thing well if that guy would do that who gives a shit just get over it and start collaborating together because you really could actually take over the rock genre you really could at a time when it's kind of you know flailing right now however we did even have our own glenn danzig say the misfits if they existed now would be canceled indeed indeed he did because he's like nobody's ready for shock rock yeah no one wants to hear about women getting raped and murdered anymore yeah. I'm sorry. That's, Nobody wants to hear homophobic bullshit, that's your racist not, piece of shit thoughts. Yeah. Nobody wants that. That's not the kind of shock rock people are looking for. People are looking for the Lil Nas X kind of shock rock. Yeah. Honestly. Be- to actually challenge people's, um, you know. Perceptions? Perceptions, backwards views, and political stances that are just kind of wrong and really prejudicial mm. against other people other ways of life and other people other races other sexualities that's what we're looking for right now not you trying to shock people by saying you're gonna rape a lady you know yeah that's gonna get you fucking canceled honestly i think the way we should end it is you're right the misfits are done because if you are a misfits fan i want you to really look at these people they are misogynistic racist homophobic they are the farthest thing from punk that you could ever fucking get. Yep. And I want you to really look at these people. And they are really not the band that needs to be reunited. No. Right now. You know what? We don't need it. They only lived for six years anyway. I don't know what made them so amazing to people in the first place besides covers. Mm. Covers are what made people like them. Yeah. So like... <laughs> You're falling for marketing, people. Yeah. They are, at this point, they really aren't even a band anymore. They are just a marketing machine. That's pretty much it. Yeah. So, you know what? I'm just going to look at it realistically. Their story is confusing and just... Dumb. Insanely dumb. (laughs) Dumb. And I just, I don't And I just really just... I don't need to defend them for anything. I really just bolstered my own opinion that they fucking suck and they're not relevant and they really don't need to exist anymore. And I'm sticking with that. Yeah. And I'm just going to go back to being like, they were a band that existed and they have songs. One of them's on a Halloween playlist. It's just a cover of Monster Mash. Yeah. 
And also I'm sticking with it that Paula Abdul is Glenn Danzig and MC Scat Cat <laughs> is Jerry. You know what? You're right. I'm right. You know what? The one who had staying power was Paula Abdul. Exactly. So. Because much like Jerry, MC Scat Cat is a cartoon of himself. And that's the story of the Misfits. <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening. Yeah. We hope there's somebody still listening right now. I mean, I'm sure people are going to be mad at us, but frankly, like, I... You know what? I'm just going to release this episode really with the caveat of, if you really like the Misfits and cannot be told otherwise, please Don't do listen not listen to this. to this. Yeah. This is not, this is not a podcast this is not for, for you. you. And no. we fully accept that. But if you are willing to hear us out, absolutely yeah. listen to this. And I suppose if you also have countering views, we are definitely here to listen to those. If and you want see to, you have have to have a say. lively and fun debate, absolutely come to us yeah. for that. But and if, if you're you... local, please take us out, get us a drink, and we'll have another lively absolutely. debate. Absolutely. We will have a lovely vaccinated debate about yes. all of this. <laughs> Somebody's getting her booster soon. I love mm-hmm. my mask. It's fine. Mm-hmm. We're here to be safe. Safe but drunk. Mm-hmm. That's what we do here at Rock Katie Podcast. Indeed. But thank you kids so much for listening. We love you and appreciate you. And if you're new here, go ahead. We have a huge catalog of other episodes that you can listen to. So where many. We just question what life is <laughs> and who human beings are through bands, apparently. Yeah. Because that's what we do here at Rock Katie Podcast. And apparently we're doing super long episodes now. <laughs> Here we are. Fuck it. I don't care. But just, uh, yeah, you can hear us, obviously, on any podcast thing that you listen to. And visit our website, rockcandypodcast.com. And you can also find our email through there or our social medias. And follow us and contact us through those things. Mm. And if you really like us, you like what, you're picking up what we're putting down, mm. even if you don't agree, um, you can leave us a review. But it has to be a nice one. Just, but a nice Look, one. Like our just... terrible, fragile egos. We do not have the ego of Danzig. You yeah. need to be nice to us. Like, leave us a five star review. But then in the in the review part, you can actually say that we suck. Just leave us the five stars. That's all I ask. Yeah, you can yeah. do that on like all the things. Yeah, all Facebook, the things. Apple, whatever. You whatever want. else there is. I don't know what the internet is. <laughs> But yeah, so come and tune in next week for our classic and annual. Oh, yay. I'm so excited. That's coming up next week. And until then, party on, Ashley. Party on, Maggie. And party on, you crazy kids out there. Mother. Opposites attract. Tell your children (laughs) not to walk my way. Oh, see, that could be a good mashup. Two steps forward, I take mother. (laughs) I'm going to work on that right now. <laughs>